Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, everyone. It's our favorite time of the year here at The Black Effect. We're heading to Atlanta for the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival, and we're not going alone. Nissan is back as our partner, and they're continuing their Pitch Your Podcast Lounge at the festival, where you'll have the opportunity to pitch your podcast idea live and share it with the Black Effect team. So get those podcast ideas ready. And remember, you can count on Nissan to dial up the thrill in your adventures, no matter where life takes you. Visit blackeffect.com forward slash podcast festival for more details. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my PrevNA 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us, wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com What's up, family? It's your girl, Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we're your hosts of Street Politicians, the place, place where the streets, streets and politics meet. What's going on, my son, Lennon? What's going on with you, Tamika Mallory? All is well. Still on the road. We've been... Um, in Georgia with some with families such it was like even though I mean it's it, the win of uh you know for Senator Warnock feels even better because of like getting there and seeing so many of our family members people that work with every day and how hard they were pushing on the ground I mean people really did some extensive work and 
I was talking about it. I know people said I was being negative, Betty, but it needed to be said. Um, but I thought that, you know, when the pundits were on the news the night of the election um, and when, you know, people are sh- online saying, you know, celebrating all those who are responsible, I just wanted to make sure that we never forget the the, the, the organizers, the people like Black Voters Matter, you know, uh, Georgia Voter Project, uh, who else? Uh, Melanie Campbell, the National, National Coalition of Black Civic Participation, you know, and I don't even want to get in trouble for leaving people out, but there were so many faces, so many individuals, Reverend Jamal Bryant, Bondsworth Bentley, um, you know, sororities, fraternities, so many people on the ground who were there to ensure that Herschel Walker did not become uh, a United States Senator and to ensure that Reverend uh, Warnock kept his seat. And I thought, I just, you know, if the wind feels better knowing that America has to over and over and over and over again, acknowledge, even if it doesn't want to say it out loud, the power of black people and the power of black organizing. Yeah, it was a thing, you know, um, being on the ground, just feeling the energy, watching the youth, like I, I'm just most impressed by you. You know, the way that they've been organizing, the way that they've understand yep. the moment and understand how serious this was and, and seeing so many of them come out. And, you know, I've seen um, youth from New York come down here to help, you know, organize. I've seen youth all over the world understood that Atlanta was like ground zero at the moment, you know, and, 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 and it, it, you went to social media to express, you know, how it was definitely the the voice and the organizations of Black people that got this done. It wasn't just, you know, like you said, it wasn't the Democratic Party. It wasn't that they did. It was the fact that grassroots organizers and Black young and old and, you know, in between, every Lottie Dottie and everybody understood this moment. It came up, and, and you know, and I, I went to social media and just expressed my disdain for the fact that the GOP had the unmitigated goal to even put Herschel Walker up there. And I think that was one of the things. I think, I think, especially black men, black men were insulted. You know that this yeah. was this is the person that you was going to have as a representative of us. And you thought that just be just because he played football and he was a legend in football and he had a celebrity status that we were ignorant enough to vote for someone who definitely wasn't it is not capable of leading. You know that that didn't deserve right. a seat that wasn't even eligible enough that didn't even have a platform that didn't have anything that he ran on other than he was Herschel Walker. And you know, and I think that that that's one of the things that made me realize that as black men we have to be a lot more assertive. We have to let our voices be heard. A lot of us are doing a lot of work, you know, on the ground in offices everywhere. But I think it's time for us to step up in a major way. Like I always say, I watch a lot of black women, especially in this space, do so many things, organize, you know, um, speak up. Even when we outside, I tell all the time, it's it's more women than it is men out there. So I, I, always, I always do this for me, is call out myself, not just black men, but I call out myself and I say we, I don't just say y'all. 
I said, we have to do better. We have to make sure that we're represented properly. And we have to make sure that the world knows that we understand when you're trying to, you know, pull some, some wool over our eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, Black men should have been insulted or should be insulted. And I think Black people in general, you know, first of all, we literally are fatigued like hell as a people just by all the stuff that we see, you know, the media constantly, constantly attacking us. There's so much division that is being created between uh, different segments of our community because folks are, uh, you know, there are there are issues that some of us care more about than others. So some people feel like, well, the administration is doing a great job in this area. And then there's other people who are like, no, you know, there's more that needs to be done, particularly around the issue of policing. And it's, it, you know, there's a lot of back and forth. So you're dealing with that all the time, trying to make decisions about what you trust, what you don't trust, you know, how you feel about the system. You are also dealing with life as everybody, not just Black folks, but we as a society, we're dealing with life. And it's a lot of fatigue to have people going back and forth to vote. You know, it's already hard enough to get you out the first time, but to have to turn around and be back out there for a runoff is not an easy thing to make happen. And, you know, especially if, I feel like if the Republican party had enough respect for black people and for itself, they would have ran a candidate or they would have run a candidate that is much more qualified uh, than Herschel Walker. And if they did that, it may have actually been a different outcome because of the numbers, you know, the yeah. numbers telling. And a lot of people, people say, well, that means that you, you know, you think black people would have just would have t- uh, voted for the Republican candidate. No, but people would have stayed home if they didn't watch the news every single day and see there was a crisis happening. Like this was a crisis scenario. People were mm-hmm. watching that like this is a meltdown of someone who clearly has challenges um, and and he can't be the senator. Not to mention that he was his his platform is anti most thing or anti things that most of us as black folks want to see happen in this country. So, you know, it, it just it, it's it, it's a it's a, t- a funny time where we really have to have uh, do some serious reflection on where we are. Because the numbers continue to show us that this country is so divided. It's a dangerous place. It's actually pretty outrageous that we even had a runoff and that, uh, which I I did see that it closed somewhere around 100,000 votes. And I don't know, that was yesterday, 100,000 votes um, Warnock was up. Um, And so hopefully by the time we look at the numbers, it grows even more, you know, towards the end of the week. Um, you know, or by whenever we will see that the numbers are even stronger because the percentage point of how close they were, it's, 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 it's a scary place. It's a scary place. So, you know, hopefully anyway, but so in other outrageous news, Balenciaga is a little out here. Like, I, you know, I, I didn't have time. First of all, I was just, um, you know, there was so much going on. It, it's like, again, 
social media and the media, it's like every day stuff is popping, popping, popping. So I kept seeing something happen with Balenciaga. I'm not like a big Balenciaga person. You know, I, I have a couple of things, but it's not like something I really, really am like, oh, when the newest such and such comes out, I'm gonna run and get it. So it's not, it wasn't really important to me. But then I started seeing stuff about children. Sat, and we were talking about this last week a little bit and I still wasn't all the way up to speed. And then as we were traveling, I really took the time to read and start like digging into it. And it's like, this is some weird, weird child thing. Some, you know, I don't know if it's, I don't know if you call it, it's all abuse, but like sacrificing and then the gods of children sacrifice. And then it's like some straight weird, weirdo stuff. And I'm like, I, you know, I'm just, yo, it's no way. And, I, and now we see that Balenciaga dropped their lawsuit against the creative directors. You have to, because no matter what, the buck stops with you. It's like me choosing to sue somebody on, on, on our staff at Until Freedom that I already approved whatever they was doing and or haven't done the research to know that this person is actually a racist or a rapist or, you know, or something when it's out there. It's different if, you don't know, you know, that you, nobody knows it. The world doesn't know it. But if you've been, if you are a person who is on our staff and your Instagram or your social media is wide open and you're promoting child pornography, that's my responsibility to know. It definitely is your responsibility to know if when you run an organization, when you run a corporation, you know, you're supposed to know. And I, and I don't, I don't believe they didn't know. I think when you look at, when you look at the history of this, you know, it's dating back when they start showing you and you start unraveling and you look at these things, it shows you there's a history of these things that's been going on. It's like hiding in plain sight. You know, a lot of there, there's, there, there's an, under, an underground world that they believe in these things. You know, we, we're not involved in that world. So we don't we don't pay attention. We don't know what these dolls with the, the chains is. We don't know what these little hidden meetings are. So when, when people who do know start uncovering and some people probably who actually are part of it, you know, decided they're going to ring the bell, you know, and, and, and that's what happened. That's what all, all of this happened. They've been doing these things. You know, when you look at um, a lot of the, the staff and, and they, them pointing out these things, you like, hey, this is a history. This is, this is a lifestyle these people have been living. You know, I'm not a Balenciaga. I'm not really never been. I got one Balenciaga shirt that I'll never wear again. So, you know, I think, and a lot of people, oh, you ain't saying nothing about Balenciaga. I'm like, we we see what it can say. What do we got to say about Balenciaga? I don't wear Balenciaga. You know, but a lot of times people want you to say what they want you to say. I talk about black shit. Things that's going on in our community, things that's going on in hip-hop and the culture, the violence in our community, you know, the things, the negative, you know, people inside our community that I know are detrimental to black people. Those are the things I speak about most of the time. But when you, you know, I didn't think that those underworld, that's that's what white people been doing. Some of the white people been doing that. Well, I'm not not saying all white people. Yeah, but you got to be very, very clear to say that's what some of these white people been doing. Okay, what I'm trying to tell you is that culture, when you look at, when you go from Epstein and you go to all of this shit, this is shit that they've been doing. That it's not shit that I even know that it comes into my culture, into my life. It's not a reality in my life. It's not something that I even identify with. I've never had a conversation with somebody who was into those things. I don't know anything about it. 
So me talking about it, it's like, what am I saying? I don't fuck with pedophiles anyway. You know, when they was talking about R. Kelly was fucking with little girls, I had a conversation about that because R. Kelly is inside of my culture. And I know the, the, the little girls you talking about was young black girls that didn't have anything. That, we didn't understand none of this shit. So people want me to talk about Balenciaga, and I was like, well, I don't really, it's nothing for me. Y'all saying it. Y'all know exactly what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that, that was my I point mean, of view. There's a, there's a difference between Balenciaga and Nike, period. Like you said, Nike is something that is in our culture. You have millions, and we talked about this last week, so it's not anything new. But, you know, I, I, I now have done some research, and I'm like, wow. And the thing I'm, I'm like really trying to figure out is, I know there's Diet Prada, which is one of those um, Instagram pages that you could go and learn things about brands. But I'm trying to figure out where else do we go to like research some of the things about, you know, products that we buy, not just things you wear. It's things in your house. It's companies all around us every single day, places where we eat, people we are in relationship to, businesses we support. And I don't know how you... I guess there's no way. I guess you find out in times of controversy. And then at that point, you know, and, and of course, one of the more important things is to try to support your own as much as possible, which we agree with. I found this dress that I love um, that I wore on this this past Sunday to an event. And um, it's a black owned designer. You know, I'm like, wow, it's wonderful to find designers that are, um, you know, affordable somewhat because it was a nice little penny. But still, it was in my price range and it's good quality, good customer service, all of that. So I think increasing the support for our brands, um, you know, making sure that we target our own first is important. I do want to push back on one point, though. Yes, I know that the culture you're talking about, culture, and that's what you were saying, culture, culture is largely that white people participate in this child sacrificing behavior. But then you said, I don't, I don't really, I don't mess with pedophiles anyway. And I just want to say for black girls everywhere, they are black pedophiles and they're not just men. They are women too, that are pedophiles. It is something that exists within our culture, in our community, rather in our community, there are people who take advantage of kids in every single race. And so, yes, the, the sacrifice and stuff and, and, and like the, the degree to which they're, they're, this thing looks, because we don't know, well, we do know, right? And, I, and I'm just trying to be careful because I still don't, like I found some stuff that I was reading and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And then when I did some deeper research, I found out that it wasn't true. So the internet is also very, as I say every week, very, very dangerous. Um, but the overall sentiment of it, yes, it can be applied to the fact that there are white people who have participated in this type of behavior. And in fact, in a lot of ways, because of our enslavement and our um, being, uh, what is the word, being uh, cultivated by, um, you know, sort of American society or what have you, we learned some things and picked up some behavioral patterns that is harmful to our communities. So I totally get that. But I just want to say on behalf of Black girls and Black boys, pedophiles exist in every single community. I don't, I don't think, I don't think that I, I'm not, I definitely understand because we just said that we were talking about R. Kelly and I was like, there are pedophiles in all communities. I'm just talking about when you look about this, 
this underworld of um, child pornography and, you know, all of these things. I, I, I have yet, maybe I'm wrong, it's just not something that I've seen that's prevalent or even spoke about in Black culture. Like, even when they show you the people who are guilty of this, I, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a Black person that they said was doing it. So maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong, but it's just not something that's identified in our culture as a norm or something that is even spoken about in our culture. You know, pedophilia is spoken about, but this underworld of child pornography and, you know, these little rings of all the shit, I, I, I haven't seen black people involved. Maybe they are. Well, the rings, so the rings, yes. The rings, yes. The, this sex trafficking thing, because that's the newest. And, you know, and, and most of the time, we as black people are involved in things that, you know, we're trying to take advantage of like how we get paid off of being in this, right? So for instance, even when we were engaged in enslavement of our own people, there was some, I mean, there was the, the there was the European mindset of indentured servitude that was much more brutal, much more demeaning, dehumanizing, all of that. And then there were Black people that was like, yeah, we could eat off of this too, or Africans rather. That was like, we could eat off of this too. So we do get involved in stuff, trying to see like, how do I benefit from this enterprise, whether it's good or bad, from a financial perspective? But, and, and there are some sick people that we can actually sell kids to and do all of these crazy things. But we are engaged. We are engaged. We're in the fruit in the food chain. And it's in and it's something that has to be called out. So, you know, but anyway, it's not really a debate because you agree. So it is what it is. I'm just saying. And I think, you know, just thinking about what people can expect from me, because as I'm doing the research, I'm like, mm, okay, supporting more black brands. I've always tried to do that. I want to do it even more. Uh, but I do have two or three things from some of these brands that we're canceling that I'm probably going to continue to wear and most of it is just comfortable sneakers like it's not really like you know I'm not I probably will never no I know for sure that I'm never ever going to be outside with the Balenciaga sweater with all the Balenciaga around it I can't ever do that you know that's it it's over it's packed up in the Gucci box <laughs> with the stuff that I every every it's like the the little bins for the things I'm never going to wear again is growing and growing and growing but I do have my comfortable sneakers that I travel with. I got my, cause I ain't, I'm also not supporting anything Kanye. That's just not, I'm just not doing it. But I got my phones. I'm going to wear those. And I probably got like two pair of Nikes that I'm probably going to wear. So people can expect that from me. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, you know what, you know why it's kind of, um, I don't really agree with that method because I hear it from a lot of people. Um, because you, you're pretty much an icon to certain people. You are a cultural, somebody who's cultural. What you wear, people pay attention to, right? Mm -hmm. So people see you wearing things, you, you're promoting these things, right? Mm -hmm. So there's going to be people that see you with those sneakers on, see you with Balenciaga sneakers, and be like, oh, well, Tamika's still wearing them, so I'm going to go buy me those. And I like those anyway, so let me go get it. So in essence, you're, you're, not, you're actually hurting the process, because when every time you wear it, you advertise it, and somebody's gonna look at you and say that they're gonna go get it. So I just don't know if it's worth that. If if if, if 
just be if you think just because there's a bunch of shoes that you can wear. You've got hundreds of shoes. No, not but that's not true. You don't have hundreds that's of not shoes. True. No, that's not true. I have. There are certain things that I first of all I didn't purchase Balenciaga sneakers to be in fashion. That's not never why I purchased them. Right? Mm-hmm. I didn't. I'm not like I said. I'm not a Balenciaga fan. I literally have four or five things in my house that's Balenciaga. Uh, there are certain brands that I am a fan of that I actually wear a lot of their stuff and I order shit and I'm online for things and never physically, but, you know, stylists and others help me get in the line to purchase new releases. I bought Balenciaga sock sneakers because they're quick and easy to travel with, taking them off and on, and they're very, very comfortable. That's why I bought the two pair of sneakers that I had. One pair has Balenciaga written all big on it on the bottom and they real cute, some black and white sneakers. I'm not wearing those because it does have a big old logo on it. But the other pair that's got this like little thing where you can't really see it. Yeah, I'm probably going to wear those because they are comfortable and it's easy for me to travel. And I already spent my money on it. So I'm going to wear them. My um, Yeezy, the, the ones that look like Skeletors and the slides. Oh, I'm going to wear them. Definitely gonna wear them. It's and I and I I do reserve the right to wear a black man's product no matter what. Like I cannot like Kanye and say I can still wear my shoes because he is a black man and I get to do that. And in terms of Nike, you know, I'll probably look for some other running shoes. I don't know. Nike, I'm a little, I do feel what you're saying. I feel that on the Nike tip. I do. I kind of like, I don't know. Maybe I keep holding on to these two particular pair because they're like my favorites that I have and I've had them for years and I wear them and they're comfortable and and I just love them. But, you know, I haven't put them on since this happened. So it's probably that I'm just saying it because I feel it in my heart. But as time goes on, I probably will get away from them. However, anything I travel with that makes my feet feel comfortable, yeah, I'm going to wear them. So that's that on that. And, you know, I know people, people don't agree with every, and, you know, I, listen, I, they, they like me and they love me and then they hate me. And that's just life. So, I, I, listen, I, I, I love you. I'm just, I'm just saying to myself, what sense is it really weird to promote? Cause you, you, every time you wear something, that's what I understand for me, right? When I wear something, I'm promoting every time that I wear things, people, oh, where you get those from? I want that. So if I understand that I'm promoting something. And I understand that these brands don't represent who I am, you know, Balenciaga or Nike. And I made and, I, and I'm saying that I made a conscious decision that what it is that they represent, I don't represent. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, just for comfort, I can find another pair of shoes that's comfortable. It's a lot of maybe, shoes that I like. Maybe I, maybe I will. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll find it. But here's what I do know: every single day, we are finding out things about everybody, all kind of things come out there's like a certain like at some point I get what you're saying and I believe what you're saying is correct that we shouldn't be promoting and supporting these brands which is why I would never buy anything from these individuals again and I and I, I'm gonna pack up all the stuff that I may have from these different places because Nike I have oh, my god but at the same time, next week, the new shoes that I get could be a problem. So I'm just saying that I have a couple pairs of shoes that are comfortable for me, for my travel. They're easily accessible. And I'm probably going to wear them. And 
I get that some people are not going to like that, but that's just my truth. So that's it. Okay. So, you know, my uh, thought of the day today is on this Britney Griner piece. Last week we saw that she was released, um, you know, from the beginning, um, you know, we were supportive. We have always been supportive. We were mad as hell. Want to make sure that the Biden administration was doing what it's supposed to. We've never seen any uh, uh, progress on behalf of black people and particularly black women that did not require some noise. And so we helped along with a bunch of folks. I have to give uh, Angela Rye a lot of credit because, you know, she was one of the first people when, when, when we got engaged, uh, she was already there working with uh, Brittany's wife. And we held a few uh, protests and events just to really make sure that this was on the map, that people were actually talking about it. And it really wasn't protests, but we, um, you know, did bring some awareness and make some noise. And, you know, we even went to the Russian Russian consulate and had a prayer vigil, an inter- interfaith prayer vigil. Not, you know, it wasn't hostile, but it was we were there to say, listen, please, like, open your heart to let this woman be free. And then. People said, well, the administration is doing something about it. They made some statements. They were very public. And they said, we're, we're making moves on it. They didn't want to uh, have too many. Um, they didn't want it to be too controversial, right? They wanted to really have the time that was necessary to work on it. We said, cool, no problem. Call us if you need us. But we were monitoring the situation very closely. And to see that she was released, it's important, right? It's, it's, it's incredible. And in fact, it's historic that, you know, th- that America would really cash in a big, 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 big chip in the middle of, a, of, of us being in their war that they have going on with another country that we support, right? Or that this, this country is supporting. Um, to see that they use this big chip to get this woman free, this black woman free, a black queer woman free is huge. It's huge for us, particularly as black women, because, you know, it's like it shows our value. And I know I understand very clearly that there are people right now who are saying one, there are other imprisoned individuals, not just in Russia, but even here in America. Right. I saw on uh, Angelo Pinto's page, our, our, co- our partner at uh, Until Freedom, that, you know, America helped to get a black woman free uh, regarding marijuana, you know, a marijuana situation. We need to make sure that the people who are in jail in America for marijuana violations are also free. And we can say that what would be consistent is that the um, that that the federal government and Joe Biden did sign an executive order to say on a federal level that people who are in prison for uh, certain types of marijuana convictions, that they should be free, right? So, so, so these, this, is, this is good, but it's still a lot with that because I learned more about how many people it does not apply to. And of course, like everything, there needs to be it needs to be um, there. There needs to be focus on making the legislation 
better or the executive order better and stronger. So, but that's not what we here to debate today. Um, which reminds me, we do need to have a show on that because there are some real significant pieces of it that's missing. And so therefore it's not going to have the widespread uh, appeal that it needs to have or effective effectiveness. But anyway, I understand the implications of other people that are imprisoned in Russia. I also understand the arms dealer, what is he, the merchant of death. It's a very dangerous man. And it is a big chip, big chip to put on the table for one person. And, you know, knowing that there are other people that were there longer than Brittany. I totally get it. I understand it. And I know there are people who want to have that discussion. But I also want to remind everybody and remind us as Black women that we are just that valuable, that we are actually just that precious. And we get every, and by the way, when you do business with somebody, they're supposed to do business back with you, right? So the business that we did was closing the deal for the Biden administration and helping them to get elected to office. We did business with the Biden uh, 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 administration. That's how they got there. They said it, not just me, the exit polls and Vice President Harris and President Biden. They both said, we have to thank Black women. Black women helped us get here. We owe Black women. And you know who was out there? really sort of leading the charge around getting Britney Griner, a Black woman free? Black women, not saying Black men weren't, I'm just saying we had a role, right? And so they owe us and we're just that valuable. And when you are responsible for helping someone get a job, then you show up on the job one day and say, hey, I need to, I need, you know, I need to get a few things done here. Not saying that anybody should do anything illegal for you. I'm not saying that anybody should break the rules, but damn sure you should be acknowledged and you should be moved. Just call me a couple of favorites every now yeah. and then. When you when you when you put work in, that's that's the thing of having relationships and building bonds and creating you know community and things of that nature. Is because you 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 have somebody who you can call in the chip. You call in and say, hey. We've been, and they like, oh yeah, this person has always been supporting me. They done, I'm gonna go above and beyond because I know when it came down to it, they got my back. And that's that's what happened here. You know, black women pretty much supported and put this presidency into presidency, you know, so it's time to cash in one of those chips. Brittany's a black woman. Put the presidency in the presidency, man. So I don't see nothing wrong with it, man. Everybody ain't got the same juice card, man, and, and because everybody ain't putting the same work in. Well, there's that, and you know, hopefully, there's more to come out of the administration on a number of other issues. Yes, as of today, keep going. Yeah, keep fighting, keep pushing. But this is a, a historic moment, and, what, and this is what we all said. This is what we said, and a lot of people are still mad. Oh, Joe Biden, Joe Biden, y'all, I listen. We said that we was going to push to get things done. When we look at these executives, we look at look at the things that are happening, whether you think they are good, bad, or they don't really matter. Everything that we've got done in this administration is because people pushed and they fought and they continue to fight. And right. every day we fight. We not we don't like we said before. We don't have no allies. We just wanted better. No, opponents. we have allies. You no, know, I wasn't going to sit there. What did we say? 
What did we say? No, I'm talking about not a no, no. No, it's it's no, not so much allies. No they say they say that the saying is we don't have permanent friends, we just have permanent interests. That's what it, that's the saying, right? Yeah. We don't have permanent yeah. friends. And we always said we was looking for a better opponent. That's we was exactly. looking for a better opponent, and we went. So this is still our opponent. You know, we fought Trump for four years, and now we we gonna fight him. His we gonna fight Biden his whole term, but we got a better chance of beating him. We got a better chance of beating him into submission and to doing the shit we want. Because Trump don't give a fuck. Trump would kill himself before he he give a fuck about a black man. That man don't care. Man. You know. So I, I'm not. I just for me, you know, this is this is proof that. You know, for me, that the work that's been put in is slowly, slowly coming to fruit. You know, a lot of these executive orders that we've seen signed, slowly, sure, they could be a lot better, all these things. But I'm slowly seeing things happen because we continue to push and we continue to fight. We got a guest coming up now, Trent Outloud from Exclusity. Uh, and I'm super excited to bring this brother on so we can learn about what he has going on in Canada. We be out here talking to people internationally. Hey, everyone. I am so excited. The Black Effect is live. This April 27th, the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support Black excellence in the STEAM fields. Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with a Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and have it shared with the Black Effect Podcast Network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit, Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event to be at. You won't want to miss this because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill of your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com forward slash podcast festival for more details. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. 
I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This gentleman uh, who's joining us today is very, very, very persistent. I, uh, for a few days, was being tagged in my stories, the DMs, the comment section by someone saying, you know, check, read your, read your stories, check, you know, check your DM, check your DM. And I get that a lot. And sometimes I open things that are, it's not favorable, um, you know, rude, lies, all kinds of things. And so I'm careful about what I expose myself to. But I did click um, on his page to learn, like, just to see, like, who is this person that's being so persistent? And I was like, oh, wow, this guy, you know, is somebody that I think we should learn more about. Uh, and then I read the story about, um, you know, his partnership with Nike and where that relationship stands. And I was like, oh, I, this is someone we want to talk to just to learn more, you know, and, and to really sort of understand what's happening with um, some of the relationships with Black partners and, you know, and Black, um, other Black-owned, uh, you know, companies that have relationships with Nike and other brands. And I think what we were just talking about, Mice, is so important that we are fi we find out things in the midst of catastrophes and controversy and what have you. And so I guess, you know, a lot of things are coming to light now. So it is what it is. Um, but, you know, upon learning more about him, I found that he's more than just the partnership with Nike. He actually has a lot going on, a Canada resident, um, and someone whose business ha it, it extends beyond just a sneaker brand or a sneaker store. He actually is engaged in a lot of things and, and being sort of an activist as well and real interesting guy. So let's bring uh, Trent Out Loud, who has a boutique in Canada called Exclusity, Exclusity. Uh, and let's learn some more about him. Thank you, Trent. Thanks for joining Thank you so hey, much for Trent. having me. It's an honor. What's up, Mice? 
What's going on with you, man? So, mm-hmm. so tell us about Exclude City. <laughs> like uh, Exclude well, City. <laughs> exactly. So Exclusive City, join it, Exclusive City. Um, so Exclusive City is a sneaker boutique that um, I started that was actually out the trunk of my car. We sold uh, do-rags and long tees, if you guys remember that. Uh, long tees and do-rags used to drive down to Manhattan. And uh, I started selling uh, mixtapes and long tees and do-rags off the trunk of my car. Uh, got into a basement of a tattoo parlor, had my first brick-and-mortar location, et cetera, et cetera. 15 years down the line, we are a national brand and uh, Canada's you know, premier sneaker boutique and the only Black-owned uh, neighborhood account with Nike. Mm, a neighborhood account. What is a neighborhood account? So, oh, thank you so much for asking me that. So a neighborhood account is Nike's top tier uh, account. They uh, classify it as, as Nike and Jordan's backbone to their business. Um, neighborhood accounts are tapped to set the trends, culture, and influence style and trends. Because we all know that's where all these corporate companies get all their ideas from, right? So, for example, like the Jordan 1 Lost and Founds that just came out, you won't find that at Sears or the Bay or Kohl's or department stores. You'll find that in your neighborhood um, neighborhood accounts in your, in your neighborhood boutiques because they want to get that those styles to the kids that are going to create the culture. So mm. um, we're Nike's, you know, top tier, um, you know, their best and, and brightest um, pairs are given to neighborhood accounts. Mm. Mm. So, so how long have you, how long did you been doing it since when again? So I've had a Nike account for, we've been open. We just celebrated our, our 16th year anniversary. I've had a Nike account for close to 13 years. Mm. Wow. So but before we get more into the Nike situation, mm-hmm. what I, what was intriguing to me uh, beyond your current issues in terms of dealing with that company was your personal story. And okay. I see that you had two books. Um, one is called How Sneakers uh, Saved My Life. And the other one is How Sneakers Ruined My Life. And yeah. I, I was like, this is interesting. There must be something really powerful that lies in that story. So tell us about your journey. Um, and then ultimately, why did you write those two books? Okay. Um, so... I've always wanted to write and to kind of give back. And uh, it started out as like a, a how-to book, how to live your truth, how to, you know, not be lazy, how to be percent persistent and get the attention of Tamika Mallory and my son, um, you know, and it just, it just didn't really connect. Um, and then during COVID and as I was preparing to celebrate my 15 year anniversary at the store, I started writing my story and my journey And then uh, I gave it to a few people and they're like, yo, that's the book you need to write. You need to write your autobiography. And even though I'm young, it's still, you know, I, I, and that's the reason why I even started my podcast. It turned out a lot of podcasts. I believe that everybody has a story. Everybody has a journey. Uh, If you're a neighbor or custodian or whatever, it doesn't matter. Like everybody has a journey, has a story. So um, that's where it started out. And, um, and for me, I wanted to give back to the people that helped me get to my 15 year anniversary that black men or woman out there that is looking for a black entrepreneur and they don't see one, especially up here in Canada, you don't see a lot of black entrepreneurs being successful, mm-hmm. having a multi-million dollar business and having a national brand and especially writing a book about it. So I just thought it was really important to give back to the community that gave, gave me my everything. 
And so why, why are there two books and one, it sneakers saved your life and one, it ruined your life. Okay. So the first one saved my life is it starts out with me. Um, and I thought it was really important to let people know, um, my, my family background. Cause I feel like a lot of us come from this, unfortunately the same dynamic where I grew up in, um, my father was president, but it was also a verbally and physically abusive household. Um, mm. I got out of that house. Um, I got, I moved out of my house when I was 17 years old, you know, started hanging around with the wrong crowd. Uh, you know, I was getting arrested. I had a gun charge. Um, I, um, was found guilty of fraud. I was, um, you know, I was just going down the wrong, uh, place. I was banned from entering the U S and, um, I just looked one day and I was like, yo, I, I can't keep going down this road. I can't keep going on that, this path. And I looked to, um, I only graduated high school. I self-educated myself. I started reading books and I started trying to understand more about business. And it was, and that's why the book is how sneakers saved my life. It's really how business saved my life, but I just use sneakers as the catalyst because I opened five companies that failed prior to exclusivity. Uh, making it work. So that first book is really about the grind of determination and not letting um, your unfortunate circumstances or your past or your family's dynamic to not let that hold you back. And I felt like I didn't find enough business books from entrepreneurs or CEOs that spoke about that. So I thought it was important to, to let our culture know that, you know, um, you don't have to let your circumstances hold you back and you can be profitable. So now tell us about how sneakers ruined your life. Mm-hmm. All right. So so that was the positive. Now, the, the negative aspect is that business is not always cracked up to be. Mm-hmm. You go into business thinking, yeah, I'm going to be my own. But, you know, like, you know, Diddy, Jay, you, you know, you, you look at all of these, you know, rappers and, you know, that hip hop lifestyle and 50 Cent, get rich or die trying. And you're like, yo, I'm going to be a boss. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have cars. I'm going to have all that. And yeah, you got to be careful what you wish for, man. Um, I was very successful. I had the house that I wanted. I had the cars that I wanted. I had the lifestyle that I wanted and that I thought that I wanted that was going to make me happy. And I, um, you know, when they say like these material things are not going to make you happy, but you're like, let me get those material things and find out, Yo, I got those material things. And I found out real quick that, that, you know, it wasn't making me happy. Um, so that's part of the book. And the second part of the book, um, still how sneakers ruined my life was the Nike and Adidas a battle, and I don't know how familiar you guys are in the sneaker industry, um, but when Kanye left Nike for Adidas, it started a huge battle between the two brands, and, and not in the mainstream, but like what I spoke about before in the neighborhood tiering, and it really started Nike and Adidas really focusing on hype, and what a lot of people don't realize is that these hype sneakers we don't get enough of them to pay our rents and to um, to make our payroll. So um, in 2018, I lost $2.2 million um, due to this. Yeah. Uh, mm, due to this. Wow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's real. That's like real stuff, you know? Yeah, this yeah, like yeah, yeah. The youth, the youth yeah. <laughs> need to hear this, man. Exactly. <laughs> that's why these books are, are, are really important. And I didn't even know I was going to be on your show talking about that, but, but thank you for bringing it up. Um, so, so when I, and, and just to make sure, like I, when I, when I speak about that, people are like, okay, you lost $2 million in sales. No, no. I lost $2.2 million. Like <laughs> I lost that money, not in sales. Like I, I physically lost that. Um, but the important part about it is, is that I lost more during, sorry. The important part about that is that I learned more about business during that time than I mm. learned in the time growing. 
Mm-hmm. I had to get financial mm-hmm. advisor. You, you see what I'm saying? That's what's important. That's why book two is very important. The grind, the hustle, and you know, not letting the obstacles get you in your way is really important. But also when you get there, the the dynamic of business, and it could apply to anything in life, your downturns are where you're going to learn about yourself the most and about your business the most, right? Um, so anyway, so I was like very close to filing for bankruptcy. 2019, um, I lost $200,000, which still is a loss. But if you look at the year before losing $2 million, and then the next year losing only 200000 that means that I've made, Progress. exactly, mm-hmm. I made the appropriate changes. And then 2020 came along. Um, and then, you know, we're on our way to, to being more profitable and then COVID hit. And then I'll give away the secret. There is a book three book two ends at me, um, with me on the floor, drunk, uh, coming back from Barbados, dealing with the anxiety of not knowing how I'm going to survive this potential bankruptcy. And I haven't fought for bankruptcy and I'm more successful now than I have been, um, in the past 14 years, but I'll tell you guys about that in book three. Mm, wow. So, <laughs> so tell us about this current situation that you're going through with Nike. Ooh, okay, that's a, a loaded question. Uh, what do you want to know exactly? So you, I mean, how did you, how did you get the relationship with Nike going? Like, where, how did you, did you? Is it just an application process, or did oh. you have relationships? Mm-hmm. So 13 years ago, when we were starting out, like I said, we started out was, do, was just doing apparel and it was you know, sending emails, doing applications and they got denied, uh, denied, denied. And we had to prove ourselves with others, with other um, sneaker companies before, like we got Supra, then we got Converse and we got Vans and then you work your way up and then Nike's like, okay, you could make yourself, you know, profitable and working without Nike, then Nike will, will open your account. But that was 13 years ago. They're, they're not opening any new accounts now. Sorry to mm-hmm. like. <laughs> for any kids out there that that's, that's looking to open this thing, your boutique, but. So, so now the, the, what, what I'm understanding is that mm-hmm. you as a business that has a boutique where people can walk into the boutique and purchase, and obviously everything is going digital. People are yes. shopping more online. You at some point started to move your business to a digital space and then there became some issue. So tell us about that and, you know, and where you swear you are now. All right. So um, prior in 2019, uh, when we started, um, you know, making changes to to stay out of bankruptcy, uh, I closed down a lot of my non-profitable stores and I had an idea to say, listen, instead of having these, you know, rents that are $40,000, $50,000 and these payrolls that are $40,000 a month, you know, I'm starting out the month $100,000 behind the eight ball. Like I'm going to I'm going to change the um, the structure of of what tra- traditional brick and mortar is. And I want to have my stores be more experienced stores where I'm pushing people to shop more online and then I'll be able to move my stores away from the locate the the um the high traffic locations and I can have cheaper rents and I can maybe not open every day and just have the stores be more of an experienced stores and less of a traditional brick and mortar. And then you have your inventory at a warehouse and then ship your product to the mm-hmm. customer. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the so that was approved. And then during COVID, Nike made um, a lot of uh, managerial changes and uh, coming out of COVID, um, you know, they're like, Trent, you got to open up your stores. What's going on? I'm like, Hey, I told you guys before I was working on my new concept. I'm working on it. They're like, okay, 
whatever you're doing, just do it. I finally got it open um, December 2021 and they open and I opened and they're like, what is this? You need to open your traditional brick and mortar retailer. What is this experience stores? You're only open a few days a week. People can't buy product in your store. They have to order on a tablet and it ships to them. And like, we spoke about this and I have emails to prove this, that it was uh, approved. They're like, listen, that was past management. We don't care about what they say. You need to open your traditional brick and mortar. And I'm like, Hey guys, I wrote a damn book about the ebbs and flows and the downturn that I just experienced for three or four years with this old traditional brick and mortar retail model. And you guys are not giving me the amount of pairs that I need to pay these rents and to pay these payrolls. So I'm not going to go back and open up a traditional brick and mortar retailer if I'm not going to get the product to um to um to balance those those expenses right and um they had a problem with that we went back and forth and um and that's my issue now um we i sent them a couple of lawyer letters they sent me back a, a lawyer's letter and um my account was closed october the 1st 2022 mm. see that's why i say fuck maggie you know that's <laughs> that, that's been that's been my motto you know and um so you 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 started modernizing, getting with the times, understanding that you, you needed less. You needed a lot less overhead. You know they already had trusted you with the brand because you knew. I obviously you knew how to market and sell the brand. You know, mm. so when you came to them with this new model that you were going to, they initially agreed and said, "Okay, this is is okay." So the new leadership came in. They said, "Nah, we don't care about none of that. We need you to do." the regular old stuff that you've been doing that basically had you damn near bankrupt and had you about to eat out the garbage. So mm-hmm. basically Nike didn't give a fuck about you. They was trying to figure out, look, we just need our shoes inside the stores. We don't care what you got to do. We don't care if you can make money. None of that matters to us. We need you to open these bricks, brick and mortar stores and have sneakers physically in there or it's over. Correct. And, and that is my argument. And this is why, like, I follow you on your Instagram and I know your whole fuck Nike hashtag. And, and I was like, shit, should I leave these two Jordans right here behind me? I wonder what I really, my son's going to think. I was, I swear to God, I was going to say something, but I understand that that's your thing, but I, I don't fuck. No. This is your, you know, that's your thing. Me and Tamika just had a conversation prior to you coming on about her saying she got two pair of Nike that she probably still going to wear that, you know, mm-hmm. maybe. She still, she still, she loved those her favorites. But, you know, I just think, I think we're at a time, you know, where these corporations, traditional corporations that have benefited off of us, or profited off of us, showed us, show us that they don't value us, right? Mm-hmm. And, this, and that's what this basically boils down to. It's not, it's like they don't value, they value you when they think that you can make the money. They don't value the brain power that you have because obviously you you understand the market. You out there in these you have these brick and mortar stores and you understand where the market is calling for. Most people, I don't even I don't even think I go to so once in a while I go to a sneaker store here and there. For most part, I see sneakers online. I order. They send me four or five sneakers. That's how most people are shopping. So Correct. when when you've already established a brand like Exclusivity. You you already established that brand, so right. people know that you have the exclusives. So they, once you make it, put it online, they go, "Oh yeah, this is oh yeah, this is the store I used to go to. I could just sit in my house and order these same sneakers, or I could go there. I know I got to be there on Monday or Thursday because that's the only days it's open. So I'm definitely gonna go there. 
and, and, and only only a few of us to get to that. You know what I'm saying? So you you understand the exclusive. reality. It's, it's still, still exclusive. exclusive. Mm-hmm. And you understand the, the marketing and you understand the strategy. And, and, and the fact that they don't value that, right? The fact that they mm-hmm. wouldn't value that means that they just don't value us. And and I and I and I know you know that's your business, and I'm not telling you what to do, but I just think that we have to get into the mind state, like I was telling you before we even started, that there has to be us detaching from these systems because they they understand that's what gives them the power. They realize that we feel so attached to these systems that we feel like we need them to be able to do these things. And it's like, no, we we've created the culture, we've created the fashion. We create the look, like you said, we've created what's cool. We dictate what's cool. And we have to start dictating the things that are cool that we actually control. You understand? And that's what they know. They know yeah. that, they, that you create the cool and then they, they, they give you the things that they control for you to make it cool. And then they, when they don't feel like you benefit them no more, they take it away. And then we look like, oh, what do we? No, we created the cool. So it's time for us to get back, get into that mind state, you know, black owned, black business, creating the cool, creating quality. You know, I have a bunch of different brands who have been sending me quality black brand sneakers. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even know these existed because I was so trapped into, I got to get these Nikes, I got to get these, I got to get this. Did I even realize there was brothers like me coming from, the, a brother told me that he just came out of prison. He did three three different things in prison. He was a rapper, this and that. He just started designing his own shoe in prison. Now he's in Neiman's. He's in all of these major stores with his own shoes and, and they quality shoes. But we don't know these things because we so attached to the matrix and these corporations that actually don't give a fuck about us. So, you know, I think this is a time for you to pay attention and, and still do your business and send your lawyers to do it because this is, this is your business. But while you're doing that, Start to create something that that's not dictated by the people who are in these corporations that don't give a fuck about us. Okay, so you said a lot. I want to unpack a few things. One, yeah, one really important thing that I love is that I've never spoken to you before. You and I do not know each other. We literally just met five minutes ago. I was able to tell you my idea and my concept in four minutes, and you got it. And you were able to repeat it to me verbatim. And not only that, you're also able to repeat it and identify that it's a brilliant idea and a very profitable idea. Brilliant. Because that's what we are. Black brilliance and black excellence. (laughs) But you're telling me that no Nike executive could look at my idea that is way more in-depth presented to in a deck and all of this stuff and to say, hey, Trent, that's a great idea. When we were shut down, and we're, we're, I'm in Canada. We were shut down a lot longer than you. Our stores were closed here, retail stores, for a year and a half. I was more profitable during that year and a half than I have been in the past 14 years. Forget opening up stores as an experience. Or I'm telling you my stores were shut down. That's proof to Nike that I don't need stores. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. was calling them saying, any extra inventory you have, my inventory levels were at the lowest they were ever, they had ever been during COVID. Yes, mm-hmm. I understand a lot of people were buying more, shopping habits were different. My point is, is that I've proven to Nike that I could be more profitable, close than open. The reason for me opening up experience stores is for the customer 
to get an experience on a Saturday or on a Friday. And it wasn't necessarily just transactional reasons. I was going to have like, you know, just like an events, a party, DJs. I was just going to give uh, the customer, um, you know, a place, a cool space to curate culture. That, that's what it was. It wasn't at all even to sell the product because like I just told you, I could be more profitable just not even having stores. So that, that's one thing. The second thing is, like I told you, I left up the shoes on purpose because I wanted to have this conversation with you. And to be honest with you, I think I'm like, Tamika, like, I don't know exactly where I stand on wearing the product. And this is why I wanted to speak to you. Is it fuck Nike or is it fuck Nike management? Is it fuck Phil Knight and John Donahue, who's the founder and now CEO? Because it's not fuck the Cowboys. It's Jerry Jones, you need to stand up and denounce racism. It's not fuck the US, it's fuck Donald Trump. So is it is it the brand? Is it the country? Or is it, you know, is it fuck Russia? Or is it fuck Putin? I think that is the question that we have to ask each other. Well, I, I mean, it's it's very simple for me. It's fuck Nike for me. Because it might be, okay. some people might say it's fuck. Because my thing is this, if when you are the founder or CEO of a company, you are the, 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 the head of that company, you represent that, right? And if people inside that corporation realize, if other people inside that corporation, because it's been a lot of corporations, just like what happened with Twitter. When Twitter, when Elon Musk went over there and he started doing this, fuck that racist shit, people quit. Mm. Right? People of good moral standards and understand that I, I refuse to be aligned with something that doesn't represent me morally. Right? So okay. if... It's just like in America, you can't say fuck all America. There are people inside America that are publicly revolting against the shit that Donald Trump, half of America, fuck Donald Trump. So you don't have to say fuck America, but outside of America, they might say fuck America because that's who your leader is. We inside of America understand, we we might, we see it differently because most Mm. of us don't fuck with Donald Trump. So, I mean, from my perspective, if the CEO and the co-CEO decide to do some racist shit and nobody inside that corporation speaks up and say, this, this doesn't represent our values, we can't be attached to that, mm. then that means that you are complicit. That means that you you actually agree with this, this method. No, so, not necessarily agree. I don't, oh. I wouldn't say they agree. But I, I would say silence is definitely violence, but it doesn't yeah. mean agree. Right. And I well, and yes, I, it is. I, silence I, means I, that you agree with her. If you standing next to me and I say, yo, fuck the whole world, and you standing right next to me, you co-sign fuck the whole world. If you standing I, right I, I hear you from a, like from, this, you know, and we mean you. No, I'm just saying I, I hear you and I, I understand from a broad, you know, perspective how that is true. That if you are silent about something, you become complicit. I don't know if that means you agree but you do become complicit. And I think being complicit is a little different than agreeing. It means that basically you are convicted at this point because you have not, uh, you know, stated, cause, because I, 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 this is a conversation I've had with you before. I know a lot of people that know 100% that their friend is, you know, doesn't see their children, uh, you know, might be even abusive to women or whatever, right? And that it doesn't mean they agree that they are standing next to the person or that they continue to work with them or see them, but they are complicit if you know something like this is happening and you're not doing anything about it. So I think it's I think it's very tricky how we talk about it. But I do want to circle to one thing. Um you were talking, Trent, about how easy it is for us to see 
-hmm. what you're trying to do and why it's important. I think archaic mindsets within companies, right, where you have people, especially white folks, that have a particular position and are uh, inflexible in terms of how they see things, it is very, it's very damaging for businesses in general, right? Like, I mean, we, we were just talking about Balenciaga. At some point, somebody, some new leadership was supposed to come along and say, these people got to go. Like this whole mm-hmm. thing that's going on over here, it has to go. But their archaic mindset tells them that, you know, people get so arrogant, like, you know, we know better. And that is that, you know, what were you going to say? No, no, please finish. Yeah, you know, we know better and we're going to stand on a particular position. And I think we can all learn from that across the board with our businesses, with our organizations, that we have to be flexible enough to move, to change, to shift. And that's what you're trying to do. And I appreciate what you're trying to do and understand it very well because it makes perfect sense. And I think that what is unfortunate is the idea that they will close down stores, right? With loss, all businesses have had to reduce size. Um, they have closed stores. They've cut stores in half. I, you know, I, I went to a store recently and it was like this, you know, at one point it was this big, big, big thing. And then now it's like half of the size mm-hmm. because people mm-hmm. have had to make different decisions. And for you to be, and this is where I, I completely agree with you, my son, For you to be a Black business, the only Black business, Nike should be using its power to help you grow so that you can open all those stores again at some point and make all and have it experiential, open every day, all all the things. But they should be flexible enough to work with you at the time when you need to shift so that you can stay in business. And I think that is for them to try to push your back up against the wall it is very, uh, it's telling, mm-hmm. you know, about sort of where they stand with their relationship to and their real commitment to supporting Black folks. And, 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 I, and I hear you on the idea of trying to like figure out, is it fuck Nike or is it fuck these individuals? And I agree with my son that once you represent a brand, you know, because once Black Lives Matter leadership got into some issues, the whole brand people won't support BLM and, you know, FBLM. And, you know, we started to sort of experience that, which also crossed over the movement. There are people who are like, we don't, we're we're not supporting any of the organizations. So Mm -hmm. I totally get and see, but I also know Nike has done some good things for, you know, standing with Colin Kaepernick, you know, some of their community initiatives. I know they've done that. And that's not why I'm talking about my two pair of sneakers that I intend to <laughs> possibly wear. I'm just saying that that is a conflict that we have to acknowledge that there are people who feel both ways. Nonetheless, we really don't need any of these brands. We truly don't. What we really need is uh, for us to be trying to find ways to build our own so that we don't have to be indebted to them. Forever. Correct. Now, here's my conflict on even what I said. <laughs> we should also not be boxed out of the marketplace. We mm-hmm. as Black business owners, we who have stores, we who want to wear certain things should not be boxed out of the marketplace where we only can, you know, everybody else can buy anything they want. They can buy from the Asian community, the Black community, the white community, whoever they, wherever they want to go. And we should not be boxed out of the marketplace where we can't make money and cannot compete 
on a global level because we, you know, have been reduced to just, or not so much reduced, I don't want to use negative language, but we've sort of been boxed into only supporting one thing. So it's a lot of issues that will come up, but I think that we're at a place where as soon as we find out that this company, especially these companies that are making white folks super, 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 super duper rich, we should have no problem cutting it when we need to. Uh, yeah, I agree with a lot of your points. I just want to tackle three of them. So uh, you're, you, you made a comment about old leadership and them thinking they're stuck in their old ways. Um, Nike revenue direct sales were up last year, $18.7 billion. They were up 18%. Wow. Digitally, Nike is, ve- is very well aware that digital is the place to be. Right. So they they they're not like oh well you you know how many Nike stores are you seeing open opening up no right. Nike knows that they need to um th- that they need to focus on their sneakers app but when they're so focused on digital which is the more profitable end of the business they need somebody to take the expensive end of the business and that falls on the neighborhood exactly because it's not for you to win it's not for you to win exactly that that's my problem now what upsets me is this, uh, they, in 2021, uh, Nike held a summit for Black and Latinx retailers. Now, we didn't ask for the summit. We didn't ask for any help. And they came and they said, hey, you know, again, credit to, to both you guys for, for bringing attention to the George Floyd movement. Um, you know, that whole era, every company came around and was like, oh my gosh, what can we do for Black people? What can we do for Black people? Nike held this summit and they said, we want to listen to you. We want to learn from you. And we want to redefine how we work. I can't speak for anybody else. Nike listened, but they didn't learn and they didn't redefine because I presented them with an amazing concept and how to redefine our relationship and they didn't. And that's what pisses me off. If you don't want to help us, don't help us. I am cool with that. But if you're going to say you're going to help us, don't make it lip service. Come out and really help us because I provided you with a fundamentally sound, profitable Mm -hmm. business concept and I asked you to help me by supporting me, not helping me by any sort of financial means, just support the approval that you gave me two years ago. Mm-hmm. And they turned me down and, and, tried to, and tried to force me to go back to a model that pushed me into smoking, drinking. Uh, I, I talk about it in the book. I don't want to get right. into here. Get into here. Right. Like man, right. I was in therapist's office every week uh, left from my therapist's office, going to a bankruptcy trustee. Uh, you know, it's, I was days away from filing for bankruptcy. Mm. I can't, I, I can't begin to explain to you how it is to wake up every morning preparing to lose a company that you built for 15 years of your life. I'm single. I have no kids. Exclusivity is all I have. Exclusivity is my everything. And I had to mm. wake up every day. And financial advisors told me, it's not if you're going to lose it, it's when you're going to lose it. You know how hard mm-hmm. that is to manage through? And then mm-hmm. miraculously, because of the shutdown and because of the wow. lockdown, I was able to do what was told to me by every person, financial person, that wouldn't happen because it was an unprecedented time. I came out of that. And now you want me to go back to that because you think that you know how to heat the streets and, and should create culture better than me? Well, why, so why was I the only black account? They don't. Oh, I'm so that. mad. <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, they don't think that, right? The reality is, 
they understand the market like you understand the market, right? But they mm-hmm. realize they don't need you to do it anymore because they can do that by themselves. They can go online and send it to, to they can send out all so they need to cut you off because ultimately you don't really benefit them no more. You they've used you to get to this this place. And now they're saying, yo, we don't need him because if he sent them clothes on, we can sell shit online ourselves. We don't need him no more. Fuck the, the, the loyalty that he's been here and all the sneakers he sold and him being one of our top. T- they, they don't care about that. It's not the thing is, it was never like a partnership to them. It was how can I benefit? It's like you over there, you over there. And I need just to get that block. So mm. if you're not just going to be on that block, standing there for the rest of your life on that stand block, you're not trying to grow outside of that. If, you, if you're not going to stay on that block, we don't need you no more. So that's what I'm trying to tell you. It's not about value. It's how do I make money off you? It's not how do I make money with you. They don't want to make money with you. They want to make mm-hmm. money off of you. They want to benefit off of what you bring, only what you bring to the table. And there's no, there's, that means after 13 years, there's never, it's never really been a partnership. It's not like, okay, we, we got here together. You, you had all these stores, people going to these stores, buying all these Nikes. Now we're in a digital era. We all can make money. We, you can get it over there. You can send it over there. You can do these things. We all together because you helped us get to a level that we are. We realize, we acknowledge that. No, yeah. you're not on that corner no more. You're not the, 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 the do boy on the corner that's taking the risk, that's going hand in hand that might lose everything. If you ain't willing to do that, then we don't need you. We don't need you bossing up. No, 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 no. Fuck the boss up shit and where you can make triple times the money now. We don't want that. Not all for us. Okay, so let, me, so let me ask you this, because you said somebody that stands beside them is complicit. My sales reps approved and liked my concept. Uh, I brought my Jordan rep there. He took pictures. He's like, yo, this is dope. It's amazing. His bosses, the leadership at Nike, was like, no, we don't like it in Portland. So I ask a question again, if my sales reps, other stores, other neighborhood accounts even are like, yo, we think it's dope. We would want to do something like that. But the senior management, John Donahue, that runs the offense, if that trickles down, is it still fuck Nike? To me, it is because if all of those reps you're saying they would want to do it and they're not willing to stand up and say, yo, this is wrong. Like, first of all, it's wrong. Not only is the idea dope, but what you're doing to the man is wrong, right? Mm. If, if, if that's what I'm trying to tell you, because leadership, it doesn't, you can't lead somebody that's not following, right? And I don't care if you could be the biggest leader. If you said, yo, I'm making an order, everybody like, no, we're not doing that shit. That don't make sense. Then who are you actually leading? You understand what I'm saying? So that's, that comes, there's a level of integrity. There's a level of understanding. There's a level of more, right? All of these things that, a lot of these corporations lack. And a lot of these people, it's a, it's a dog-eat-dog world in these corporations. And you have to understand that. And when you understand that, then you have to say to yourself, I understand there, there's a like, there's a ceiling here. They're not letting me get but so far. So I know that I know that the ceiling's going to get here because this is how they work. They're only, only when they can make money off me. They don't want to make money with me. They want to be able to benefit off of me. So mm-hmm. I have to figure out a way that I eat independent of them while I'm taking the money and I got this relationship. How am I building out something on this side that mm-hmm. when, when they realize or they feel like I'm no longer valuable to them and they decide to do what they're doing now, how do I continue to, to eat? How have I built a, a mechanism that continues yeah. to go outside of that? Because yeah, that, don't get it. what it is. 
Don't get yeah. it twisted, right? Like I was one who sent them the lawyer letter. I was one who told them I was not opening up my stores. And they told me if they don't open my stores, I'll lose my account. I'm fully prepared. I believe in my concept. I'm working with investment groups right now. I was just over in London and I'm going to still open up my experience stores with or without Nike. But my play and the reason why I DM'd you and Tamika to help me with this fight and to bring awareness, and this is the one thing that we disagree on, is that I feel like I want to attack Nike management. You want to attack Nike brand. And I see where you're coming from. I just don't know. I just don't know how I feel yet. But but like I said, I, I was excited to, to have a conversation. I love What I love, though, is that we all that that we are not stoic in our understanding right what does stoic are, mean meaning that there is there's well stoic meaning that we're just still like we're flexible, you know, just, we're flexible. Right, okay, okay. Right, right we are we are able to understand nuance right mm. um and activists do what we do right the protesters do what they do. We've got people who are part of our protest movement that work within the administrations that we're protesting and they go in and they are able to work the inside outside with us to help us. So we might say the whole police department shut it down, you know, period. Mm. But then there are people who work inside. They may be executives. They may be senior leadership. I know for me in in the NYPD in New York, I have many friends that are in leadership that are able to take the message inside and try their best to push the line. Our job is to be as bold, as loud, and to create Ah. attention and awareness at these issues as possible. But because of the fact that there's so much money being made on our people's backs, we have to make sure that even when it's, you know, I don't say F Nike, like my son says, it's so powerful when he says it. But um, even though I'll, I'm not buying Nike anymore, I don't support the brand anymore. Even though that is true, I still know that there are employees, there are businesses, there are students, there are other people that should benefit from the 18, whatever you said, billion dollars. Mm-hmm. billion dollars that our community is a big part of the spend. Hopefully what we can do though is use what uh, my son has been doing to move our people to start spending that 18 billion with our own or whatever portion of the 18 billion we are with our own. And that is, that's gotta be all of us thinking about that and working on it and figuring it out. So I, you know, I just, I want to thank you because you're bringing a different perspective to the dialogue, you know, mm-hmm. um, as a business person who has a different relationship. And I hope that things work out. And to the point that you and my son just kind of discussed, I wouldn't say debated. What is that? What does it look like to believe in yourself enough that whether Nike comes along or not, you can still survive and still mm-hmm. have book number three be about the fact that they try to shut me down, but sneakers is still saving me, right? Yeah, facts. facts. So I don't know, Mice, if you have anything else, but if, by the way, oh, it was well over our time to- yeah. uh, Sorry. But it was a good conversation, though. It was definitely good. I just want to say, you know, I, I, I definitely understand, like Tamika said, there, there are multiple, you know, entry points into a fight. You know, my, my like I tell people all the time, my my- my um, protest is extreme. Me, that's how I am. I'm a very extreme individual. And, mm-hmm. and it's for my own personal thing because I know 
when I when I make my mind up about something, I have to I have to see it in real time. Like you know, I have to be tangible. So when I say I'm not doing something or I'm doing something, I'm, I've got to do it. I got to see it. And once I commit myself to it, I, I'm principled to the point where it's like, okay, that's what it is for me. And I don't commit myself to something that I'm not seriously about doing. So that's just who I am. And so and 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 I like I told you before, the way that I've seen you know, that white man speak about Kyrie as if he mm. was a slave, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it triggered me in a manner that I, I couldn't have good conscience continue to support the brand or anything. That, that just was me. As I know there's no way that the co- they're going to get rid of the co-founder. He's not going to go anywhere. No matter what happens, he's still going to be there. You understand what I'm saying? So me protesting against him, what is that going to do? He'll go in the background and say, oh, yeah, let me just disappear and still have the ideologies that I have you know, running this company, you know, so that that's just my perspective. Your perspective is different. You, you know, you built a brand off of, you know, doing this, this partnership with Nike and you, and you, and you see where you are able to identify certain individuals that you need to attack, not the brand. So, and that's a different thing, but when we, when we all attacking from different angles, that that's how change happens. When you attacking this and I'm attacking mm. this, it's like, it's like termites eating on dip all over the world yeah. everywhere. So it ain't it ain't one direction. Then they realize, okay, we gotta do some shit here. Something gotta change. So you fight your fight, I fight my fight, Tamika fights us, and we all fight, but we all fighting towards the same thing. We want equity and equality. That's so, percent. You know, I I definitely support you, beloved. Definitely. Yeah, thank and you, man. It. And yeah, thank you. And Tamika, thank you for breaking that down to me. I never I didn't look at it from that perspective. And activism is let's blow everything up and then the trickle down effect we might we might move somewhere you know so no i i I totally see the angle you guys are coming from and and thank you so much for having me on the show and whoever is listening to this yes i still am a proponent of let's change nike's management let's get john donahue out of there let's get that strategic goal of keeping their neighborhood accounts on the sidelines with not having enough pairs unable to pay their rent just so that we could heat the streets and, and create culture we could be profitable we could be uh you know um you know we i want to see neighborhood accounts ipoing i want to see ip uh you know neighborhood accounts being fortune 500 companies and we won't if we just keep on staying on the block and we can't you know grow with outside of um, our radius so i will keep up my fight and keep fighting for uh the neighborhood accounts even though i don't have one anymore that's right. Well, and I, and I, still fuck Nike. I still say fuck <laughs> Nike. And I, we can build our own neighborhood accounts with our own black brands and we can make some shit that's bigger than Nike and we can be right. controlling our own and we can have our own IPOs because black brilliance and black excellence is what moves this culture. Yes, sir. Agreed. What were you going to say, Tamika? <laughs> Nothing. Thank you. Trent <laughs> just want to add to it. <laughs> um, of Exclusivity. Thank you so much for joining us on Street Thank Palace. Thank you. Keep being great. Yes, you too, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Yo, I'm hype. The Black Effect is live. This April 27th, the 2024 Black Effect Podcast Festival is headed down to Atlanta's very own Pullman Yards. Last year was incredible, and this year will be even more thrilling, especially with Nissan coming back along for the ride. Nissan is returning with some empowering activations to support black excellence in the STEAM fields. 
Have a podcast idea you've been eager to share with the culture? Well, Nissan is back with the Pitch Your Podcast Lounge. You'll have the chance to record your podcast idea and share it with the Black Effect Podcast Network team. But that's not all. Nissan is taking the stage to spotlight some of the HBCU scholars from their own Thrill of Possibility Summit. Nissan's action-packed weekend of community building, mentorship, and professional development for HBCU scholars pursuing professions in STEAM. The Black Effect Podcast Festival is the event to be at. You will not want to miss this. Because no matter where life takes you, Nissan will dial up the thrill in your adventures. Visit blackeffect.com slash podcast festival for more details. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. AT&T connects and old to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. That's how we own it! Well, that was a very good conversation, man. Shout out to Trin Out Loud. Shout out to Exclusivity. You know, I love having conversations, not really debate, but conversations, so that we, because we all have the ultimately the same goal. You know, we, we want 
to be treated properly. We want fairness. We want, you know, to be, have equity in the things that we do. And, you know, his approach is different than mine. You know, he, he believes that he can change it by the management. And I believe you just can't change it. I just believe, fuck it all. But, you know, ultimately, both of our strategies will get us somewhere, you know. So shout out to him, man, and his grind, his two books. He's working on the third one. You know, I just I appreciate him. man. He, he sounds like somebody he's very brilliant young man. You know, the, the idea that he has to sell sneakers in this current market and understanding the Internet and understanding all those things is brilliant. I think, you know, his his idea is going to get him where he needs to go. And, you know, with or without Nike. Absolutely. Yeah. So that brings me to my I don't get it. Now, you know, I, I wrestled with this one. I wrestled with this. I don't get it. But, you know, because I've grown to actually like Van Jones. You know, there's somebody that I've met. We've had dialogue. And he's somebody that I think is very influential, very smart individual. And, and, and ultimately, he wants the same thing that I want as a black man. You know, he wants equity. You know, a lot of times he goes about it in a way that I don't really agree with. We, Me and him have discussed. I don't really agree with some of the things he said and you know and, and he's admitted that he might have admitted that but this this new statement you know um i just don't understand how he could apologize for black people about something that black people been doing it didn't really it just was like I don't, and then there was this the the, the statement that he didn't say what he did say, and then the video and the audio came out. And I just, I just, I just think that we have to do a lot better. You know, we just have to do better. You know, none of us like anti-Semitism, you know, and a lot of us have spoken out a lot of times, you know, we, we, we say a lot, you know, and I've seen Cornel West say some things that a lot of us have been way more vocal about anti-Semitism than people have been about anti-blackness. And that's one of the realest things. You know, I know I just was on my page, you know, debating with my own with a lot of people about some things that that um that um Kanye had said that I that I, I, I didn't agree with at all, you know, and I voiced it. But I just think for Van to to publicly stand up in certain rooms, and it's the certain rooms that you're going, right? You didn't go into a room with black people and say, yo, we should be doing this or feel, have a conversation. You went into rooms, you know, with people outside of our culture, outside of, you know, our blackness and talked about us. And I, I don't like that. I don't think it makes sense. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, and, and I, and like I said, I have a lot of love and respect for Van, but I just, I really didn't get what he thought he was doing. I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't get how he thought it made sense, you know? to stand up and say something like that. And, and it was inaccurate, you know, because there's a lot of us who've been speaking up about anti-Semitism. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, none of us can apologize on behalf of an entire community, right? None of us, not n- none of us. There's nobody that can do that. Um, I think that Van is consistent, however. And I, w- you know, and, and I hope that, people know that he's very consistent. He 
is, you know, he said, he often says things that make me go, well, you know, that position that you're taking feels very much like you are supporting negative concepts, ideologies, or whatever, things that think people think and say about us as Black people. And, um, and, and, you know, there's been times when he's missed the mark. And I'm sure he probably would say, oh, well, Tamika, I'm glad you said that. I don't like some of the things that you have said, right? But to your point, we know, Van, we see him often and we have conversations. Sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't. I think in this situation, he really, the, the whole I apologize on behalf of our community thing, no, he should never have said that. What he should have said is I apologize for myself, you know, for what I haven't been doing. And then nobody would have been upset about anything he said. Yep. They might have, there may be, there may have been a few people to say, oh, Van is over there, you know, doing, you know, telling people he's sorry, apologize. Yeah, but who cares? He has every right to be for himself, sorry, to a right. community that he feels he should have done more to support. He had every right to say that. And that's, yep. and that's, and I think, I think it's just that simple. So anybody that's talking to him, when he's trying to explain that, well, I was saying this and that, nah, 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 nah. you can make it. We can boil it down to this, these words right here. Be sorry for yourself. That's it. <laughs> and then, and then, and then, and then I think the conversation, to me, the conversation is over with at that point. Yeah, you know? because what, what people think about you or how you feel is, is all on you. Right. Because you know, to when, your when, point, I might have been a little bit more, um, I may have been comfortable or not so much comfortable, but I might have understood it a little more if, if, if he was in a room full of black Jews, if he was in a room full of black Jews to say, you know what? We as black people have to be more supportive of black Jews that exist, that are dealing with blackness and they're being, they're being disregarded in their religion and their race, which we all experience, is being attacked on a regular basis. And we know this because we talked to Black Jews who told us what they deal with, discrimination, and be, and, and people not even acknowledging them, right? Mm -hmm. so, so if he had said something like that, but still, well, I'm sorry for all Black people, I don't know, you know? And, that's, and, and this is a, a conversation that I often have with you, um, and, you know, and I'm trying to check myself constantly. We have to be real careful about generalizing our statements. This is why our friend, something that is our friend, it is actually our, it's our helper. It's our, it is what makes us uh, thoughtful and, and, and helps to, to bring our points to a, a place of, of great, uh, you know, where we're educating is to use words like some, a few, those that you know to make sure that we use terms and words rather when we're speaking that narrows in on who you're talking about because when we say white people this or black people that or black men or whatever we got to be real sure that what we're saying applies to the whole mm -hmm. you That's know true. so he made a bubble yeah, you know, and, and and that's that's what it is, man. You know, nothing but love for Dan. You know, I, I try 
until until you go all the way over the line and you make me feel like you just don't fuck with us at all i try to give you the benefit of the doubt even though you know i'm a you know i'm a, i'm consistently going to say some shit that when i see some shit that don't make sense to me i'm a consistently like nah especially when you have a public voice and public platforms you know and you and you you represent black people then and you do shit that don't make sense then i'm going to say nah i don't really i don't agree with that you know and i'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt so or i'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt but in this situation you know man i just think you know it was just a misstep like like Tamika said speaking about yourself and how you felt that you attacked attacked anti-semitism wasn't up to par you know i don't think you can speak for us all you know a lot of us feel like we've done we've gone gone above and beyond you know a lot of us feel like we've done more than we've actually seen Jews do about anti-blackness you know some Jews so, some Jews some Jews some Jews cuz we know people like Bar Elman and other yep. Jewish people who do a lot to try to support the black community but yep. overall right we are always asked always asked to defend lots of communities to join lots of fights mm-hmm. right and 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 we should continue to do that right and we should understand because there's so many people as you and I know that do not even know what anti-semitism is they never heard the term at all right mm-hmm. and now they're being exposed to it and they're getting an opportunity to learn right what does this mean who does it harm which communities are impacted by it and like what does it mean for us as black people how do we participate in whatever side of it right um mm-hmm. And, 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 and it's nothing wrong with us being educated about other communities, being educated about hate that exists in the world for different people. You know, it's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, there's so much there and not even but it's just that is the fact. Like, right. People are getting to learn about this particular issue. And we all just have to be mindful of what we say, which is to your point. Nobody is going to tell me that I have to get over racism, that I got to get over what the KKK did to us. It doesn't mean that I'm walking around digging into people's history to find out if their great great grandfather was a KKK member. I'm not I may not be at that extent, but I damn sure hold a very serious grudge against this country first of all for what what it has allowed and how we built it and then what has continued to happen to us and still there's been no reckoning there's been nothing done as far as I'm concerned to really truly address the harm and the trauma that was caused and I'm and you should and you don't have to and and nobody should nobody should and so nobody should be telling no I was gonna say and that's why nobody can't tell the Jewish community to get over Hitler you bugging. Like, you can't say that. To, that's crazy. It's just no crazy. Sense. So it is what it is. Another day. Another, another day. Another episode. Shout out to Trin Out Loud and his exclusivity. You know, hopefully he gets what he wants. Dope interview. Dope brother. Brilliant young brother. Continue to do what you do. Y'all go support him. Follow him. You know, we got to support all of our brothers and sisters in this work in every aspect you know i've been on my black owned business support black owned business thing for a while shout out to um bungie 
brand, Bungie the brand, who just sent me some dope sneakers. Shout out to my boy Goods with Slick Walks. Shout out to Saya. So many different other ones, man. I'm gonna be wearing black-owned shoes right now. If you got some clothes, let me know so I can see. I'm gonna start purchasing things right now. I got I got a plethora of things that have been just sent to me because of the support. You know, when I started supporting these businesses, um, a lot of the people, the sales went up tremendously. So they was like, "Yo, I want to send you this as a you know as appreciation." So right now, I've got a lot of stuff that I still want to brand. I want people to see it. And now on, since I say fuck Nike, you know, I'm going to be purchasing from exclusively from these brands. So I appreciate y'all. Make sure y'all follow me, follow all of the brands it's on my page. I put up different brands. Make sure you follow, support, and buy. Buy, buy, buy. And with that said, thank you for another dope episode, Tamika. I'm not going to always be right. She's not going to always be wrong, but we will both always, and I mean always, be authentic. Peace. Listen to Street Politicians on the Black Effect Network on iHeartRadio. And catch us every single Wednesday for the video version of Street Politicians on iWomen.tv. That's how we own it! AT&T connects and ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Got my Prevnar 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated. But, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. I'm late. I'm late for the important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com.